Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Holy Spirit, come to us. Be with us today. Thank you for the opportunity to share your love with us. Thank you for the opportunity to live in this great Catholic land where we can spread your word and grow in our journey to be with you. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your voice of the Cajun Catholics, Todd Citron. Today I have Mr. Kent Zarang. He is the founder of Food with Love from Opelousas. Just an honor for him to be here. Good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Todd. Thanks for having me. All right, Kent, I know you're an interesting guy. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, uh, as you said earlier, I'm from Opelousas and uh, I've uh, had a long career, 31 years in the consumer products industry. I retired in 2017. And in 2017, my wife and I, after moving around about eight times, we moved back to Lafayette to our home. We wanted to be closer to her parents who were. Uh, you know, elderly at the time, and uh, needing something to do, and I had a love for cooking. We put a commercial kitchen in our backyard, and uh, we started cooking for uh, for just anybody who needed food. And one of my first one of my first people was a friend of ours from high school, and uh, her son was going through some pretty significant medical uh, difficulties in Houston. We started cooking food and shipping it to Houston. And that was our that was our first kind of kickoff into uh, providing food to folks that need it. Now, like all good Cajuns, you know, cooking is a way of life. And I, I, I read you had lived in the Northwest. Is that right? Yes. Uh, where, where did you live? So we've lived in New York City, Detroit. Uh, but we also lived in Seattle, wow. Los Angeles, Chicago. So lots of places. So did you do some cooking when you were traveling over there? Yeah. One of the one of the first things we in, when we were in uh, in Seattle, Hurricane Katrina had actually hit New Orleans, and uh, the folks at the church that we we were members of in, uh, in in Seattle asked if there was anything they could do for New Orleans, and I said, you know, one thing we could do is a little fundraiser. Why don't we cook a, a gumbo, and you can have all the gumbo you want, and you just. Uh, donate whatever you think the gumbo is worth you know so we ended up cooking uh five for 500 uh, we, we fed gumbo wow. to 500 people and i i think we donated you know over five thousand dollars that get shipped to uh, catholic charities through the through the church up in uh, Seattle. So. Now, how did those Seattle folks enjoy gumbo? <laughs> Tell me about that chicken and sausage it was chicken sausage and okra okay. and, and uh they love it. You know, everywhere as we've ever lived, we would cook for whoever for whoever we met. And um, people love Cajun food wherever you go. I think we all know that. So mm-hmm. the idea of seasoning, it seems to be new to a lot of people outside of South Louisiana. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. So give me a little touch. I know this show is going to be geared toward your ministry, which is so beautiful. But as the Cajun Catholic show, we always want to know a little bit. I, I saw that you were making smoked sausage or something. Is that how yeah. you started? So yeah. So when be living away, we used to. Um, my wife Susie would order order our um, sausage from uh, Country Meat Block in Opelousas, and okay. uh, 
We were living up in Seattle. I happened to come in from being out of town, and the sausage arrived, and I saw the bill, and we were paying like $120 for uh, 15 pounds of sausage. Oh. And uh, most of that, of course, was was shipping. And so I said, no, no, we can do better than this. And so I, uh, over the weekend, ordered all of our supplies to start making our sausage, you know, the meat grinders, meat mixers, sausage stuffers, and and we started making our own, and now you know now I make about sixty pounds of sausage about every two months. Wow. And we use it in all of our cooking that we do in the kitchen now. Mm-hmm. So Kent, I, I saw that you had like myself a mother that guided you. Yeah. you tell me a little bit about your relationship with yeah. your mom. So, you know, one of the one of the things I, I've had great role models in my life, and mom and dad were two of those. And uh, growing up, I can always remember when mom, uh, mom was always the first to go when someone was in need. If a family member, a distant cousin, just anyone, neighbor was in the, uh, was in the hospital, mom was cooking, mom was uh, bringing food to them, and she was just a marvelous cook. And all of our recipes are like mom. She's the, <laughs> she's the gauge. And if it, you eat it and you taste it, and it's like, is this what tastes like mom's, then, then you were good to go. <laughs> if it wasn't, you had to work some more on it. But we had neighbors who uh, had some significant health issues, and, and her favorite dish for this little girl was uh, she loved okra and shrimp gumbo. Mom made sure that little girl was never out of okra and shrimp gumbo. And, uh, you know, that's what I remember. And, and that, that example was one that guided, guided me and I know guided all my siblings throughout our lives. Tell me how you got hooked up with hospice of Acadiana. I know they're maybe the oldest, right, in, uh, in Lafayette. And my mom, we, our dealership had a long relationship with them. We would do a car giveaway with them for many years. And uh, so how did you get, how did you get hooked yeah, up? Yeah, so hospice is a wonderful, hospice of Acadiana is a wonderful organization. It's the only nonprofit hospice in South Louisiana. And um, so I, I started Food with Love Ministry. It started in the summer of 2017. And uh, I was, through word of mouth, getting new patients, and I would cook and bring, them, bring the meals to them. And in the summer of 2018, I felt that we kind of had a, I felt we were ready to, to bring on more patients. So I, I, I had a conversation with some folks at Hospice of Acadiana, and um, they, were, they were more than happy to have us cook. I should back up and say that my dad passed away under hospice care in mm-hmm. December of 2016. And during that time, my siblings and I, we can all cook. But when, when, uh, when you're with your, your loved one who is on their final journey home, you want to spend your time with them. You don't want to be in the kitchen cooking and what have you. And so we were eating out. We'd order out and things like that. And that kind of gets a little old. But when a neighbor would bring food over, home-cooked meals. It was just like, oh, this is, this is really good and comforting. And so um, that was sort of the genesis of the idea of cooking for, cooking for people in need and patients on that final journey home. So anyway, in 2018, I went and had that conversation with hospice, and the plan was simply to cook the food 
and pack it and freeze it and then uh, bring it to the hospice office. They had a freezer there and I would drop my meals. I was bringing 50, 60 meals a week mm-hmm. and just putting it in the freezer. And a funny thing happened. I, the volunteer coordinator at Hospice of Acadiana asked me, well, do you want to bring the meals to the patients? And I said, oh, oh no. <laughs> I'm just going to bring them here and let your nurses and your aides bring them as, uh, as they need and to the families that want them. And I thought that would be a really good thing to do and um, doing the Lord's work. <laughs> For sure. And, and I was, um, I was uh, not long after that. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit has a funny way of acting in our lives, you know. And uh, I looked at the meals, and we put the date on every label. We knew when they were made, and they were just aging in the freezer. And uh, I talked to the volunteer coordinator and I said, you know, this is kind of a problem the food's just sitting here and she said well what do you want to do I said well if we can't get it we can't get it out then I'll just start bringing it you know and she said well that's fine we can do that and so that thus began me delivering the food to the patients and having an interaction with with the patients that moved beyond food uh, to one of sharing the Holy Spirit with patients and patients sharing the Holy Spirit with me and it became a ministry at that point, uh, not just a food delivery service. Sure. Tell, tell me your wife's involvement. Uh, has she always been, you know, like right there with you doing this ministry? Uh, yeah. Yes, Susie's. Uh, Susie, listen, we have we have, a, we have a, a three kids. We have grandkids, and so it's that balance between how much to do in the kitchen and how much to do for the family. So. She helps me when we're in need, you know, especially when I first started, you know, you cook, you're cooking meals for about 75 people and you're trying to put 75 meals in bags and seal them. She would come with me in the kitchen and, and help seal them and she would handwrite the labels to say how to heat the food. It wasn't, it was the most inefficient way to do it, but uh, uh, when you're just a fledging, fledgling little operation, that's, that's kind of what we did. Today, because of it's like the Holy Spirit really moving in this ministry. We've grown uh, from no volunteers to 30, 31 volunteers and eight drivers. We've gone from having you know one patient to today we have 61 families that we provide food to and we bring food once a week. And uh, wow. so you know that's kind of that's that's kind of the growth. I tell you how, how, how the first volunteer called me one day. I was in my in the kitchen. I don't know. I think we were cooking our like about chicken stew is what we were cooking. I was browning chicken, and the phone rings, so I answer it. And this lady says, uh, "Hi, my name is Ann, and I've been watching you for the last couple of years, and I am impressed. And I just retired, and I was wondering if you needed a volunteer." And I said, mm. "Oh, I guess I could. Yeah, sure." And uh, next thing I know, she came. She brought a friend with her. She started coming on a weekly basis, and uh, she's still working with us today. But just from that, you know, that one phone call, next thing I know, we've, you know, we just kept adding volunteers, and it's just, uh, it's just grown that way. People have just moved, hearing about us from word of mouth, and picking up the phone because they were called to, to, uh, to do something in this ministry. I know in my own experience with my parents' death, you know, it just, I don't know why, why does it mean so much when people bring food 
that, you know, when the family's grieving like that. I, I can just in my life remember that the best food I've ever eaten ever was was in those grieving times where mm-hmm. people showed compassion and brought me that food. And it, it really did leave a mark on me. And and I, I, I this came to me through the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it's even a thing, but in the gospel, when Jesus fed the, the 5,000, I believe it was, you know, He's out there across, and I told you I had gone to the Holy Land, so this is like uh, in my mind fresh. And and when he goes across the lake, and and they're they're stuck over there, and there's no food, and he has so much compassion for them. What happens prior to that? I don't know if you knew, or this this is in the gospel that John the Baptist dies right prior to that, and and Jesus goes across to grieve, and all the people were so filled with compassion for him because they knew that was his best man that was his best friend and and they all go over there to like support him and then and then he ends up feeding them and it's like the first i always say it's like the first wake you know in the history of time and it just it 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 always touched me and moved me that that the food was a big part of his grief yeah you know going way back yeah and and you know throughout throughout the the gospels there's the sharing of meals uh you know and they breaking of bread together and uh and and it's it, it brings comfort and it's also what we are called to do you know in the story of the feeding of the 5000 you know the one of the disciples asked you know well, how how are we going to feed all these people you know and and i think jesus's response was you know you need to feed them yourselves and and what he's telling us is we need to we need to feed the the hungry themselves and many times i would say that we're not talking about food we what we're talking about is feeding his word and his goodness and his love to everyone that we come in contact with it's what we're called to do and one of the principles that we try to uh, ensure that as we visit our patients and families rather is really our families that, that uh, we share with them that, one, Jesus loves you. And for anyone in listening, you know, Jesus loves you. Jesus has always loved you. Jesus loved you before you were created. Before the beginning of time, Jesus loved you. Jesus will never abandon you. Jesus loves you. If we, can, if we do anything at all with our families, instill that, let them know that, share that with them on every visit, then we have, we, have, we have shared what Jesus wants us to share. Jesus is love. And so I have been in patients' rooms and with families and said to them, I just want you to know before I leave that I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Jesus has always loved you. And I have seen tears come down family members and patients' cheeks and their faces mm-hmm. as, they, as they just dwell on that. And of course, when that happens, guess what? I cry too because uh, it's got me just, crying over here right now. You know, it's just so moving, and um, you know, it, it just blows my mind away. It, I'll tell you a, a story that that occurred. One of my, he became my friend. Uh, his name was Danny. He was he was a cancer patient, and I'd been delivering food to their family for probably about seven months, and we were getting. You know, Danny was getting close to the end and, and close to being called home. And uh, I walked into his home one day. I'll, I, actually, I'll tell the whole story here. I, his wife told me that probably next week uh, would be my last visit because the nurse told him he really didn't have 
too much time left. And so I knew the visit that I was going into was, was going to be a little more difficult. And I struggled with, geez, how, what am I going to say? And the Holy Spirit has blessed me with some amazing people that I can call on and, and, and ask for advice. And one of them is my dear friend, Miss Della. And I, I called Miss Della and I said, I really need your help. And she said, what's the matter? I said, well, I'm going to see this family and it may be the last time because he's near the end and I'm not sure what to say. Here's what I know not to say. I'm not going to walk in and say, hey, Danny, how are you doing today? Mm-hmm. You know, because we know that, that what that answer is. And she said, well, what do you want Danny to know? And I said, well, I want Danny to know that I love him, you know. And she said, well, then you need to tell him that. You know, she says, what else do you, do you want Danny to know I, 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 that you want to tell Danny? I said, I want to thank him. I just I want to thank him for sharing uh, his life for the last six months with me. And she said, well, then you need to tell him. And, and, and she said, well, did you learn anything from Danny? I said, oh, I learned so much. She said, well, you need to let Danny know what you learned. Anything else? And I said, well, I want to ask him when he gets to heaven to... to um, asked Jesus to save a place for me. And uh, she said said something profound to me. She said, Kent, everyone on this earth has a purpose. And they have a purpose until the day they're called home. You just said what Danny's purpose is. Make sure you share with him his purpose, because he may not be aware. And uh, I went and we held hands and we had that conversation and all of those things I just stated, I shared with him. There was a bucket of tears uh, from both of us and his wife came into the room and his daughter came into the room. We held hands, we all prayed together and, you know, and I told him bye and it was, you know, I'll see you soon kind of bye because we know we'll we'll be together again. And and I thought that was our last visit. Danny lasted three more weeks and I had another visit with him and I walked in and Danny was sitting in his bed crying and I said I said Danny are you in pain and his he looked at me and he said Kent it's I'm always in pain and he looked at me with these eyes and said I just don't understand why it has to hurt so much Hmm. now the Kent Zerang that that I know has no answer for Danny but this is where the Holy Spirit came, excuse me, and just put words in your mouth to share with Danny. You know, and it was, Danny, the Lord is preparing you to join him in heaven. He died on the cross. He had his passion. And you can bring your pain to that cross, and together he will pull you through it, and you will have no more pain. There will be no more suffering, and you will move through the gates of heaven with angels and music playing. And his wife walked into the room while we were talking, and she, was, she started to say something about the food, and he held up his hand, and he looked at me, and he said, Kent, tell me more about that suffering. And uh, we, we talked for another 40 minutes about redemptive suffering, about, about how he can save souls while he is in this pain. And, and we ended our conversation with him smiling. The tears were gone. We were laughing. And, and we were brothers. 
And that sort of summarizes for me what this ministry is. You know, it's, it's those moments where the Holy Spirit fills you with what you need to hear, with what you need to really hear, and what you need to share. And it's that sharing that, that for me, makes food with love what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and through Hospice of Acadiana, they, the marvelous people over there, they give us that opportunity to, to, to perform our mission, and we're very thankful for them for doing that. Oh, just just a blessing to sit here and listen to this story. I'm just so, so um, just so touched by your story mm-hmm. and and how God has 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 led you to this ministry. Mm-hmm. And this is the inspiration for Cajun Catholics to just mm-hmm. feature guys like you that are just ordinary people that that have done extraordinary things. Yeah. You know? Well, I want to remind and, our and, listeners, and I would just say that the Holy Spirit's doing the extraordinary. Oh things, yes. You know, um, I, I would ask just to finalize to sure. put a little final note on that. Danny's wife and Danny's daughter, who's a senior in high school, are both volunteers in our in our kitchen. Mm. You know, it's just it's just a marvelous thing. So I just want to remind our listeners: uh, you're listening to Cajun Catholics with Kent Zarang. He is from Opelousas, and he is the founder of Food with Love, a ministry that um, he started in his backyard, apparently. <laughs> and uh, how to tell us how you fund this thing? How do how do you find the money to pay for this? Who pays for it? Yeah, so. We don't look for donations. We really don't. So in my career, I retired as fam- this famous, uh, or, or a fancy title, I mean, of a VP. And uh, I've been rewarded immensely. And uh, when you have, I just feel this great need to give it back, you know. So if we, if my wife and I can give it all back and we have nothing when we die, then we feel like you know, that, that's, that's what we do. So we funded ourselves. Wow. I, but there are people who, um, families who we've given to, and they've wanted to share and give back. And so what they do is do, they donate it through Hospice of Acadiana and designate it to come to Food with Love. Uh, that, that's how it happens for people who want to donate. Um, but um, like I said, it's not something I actively try to pursue. You know? and he's such a humble gentleman. And uh, he, uh, we met at our prayer group uh, breakfast a couple of weeks ago, and Kent sat down with a bunch of strangers uh, and just started telling some of these stories that you're hearing today and just touched all of us, and he's just a great guy. Uh, so, uh, Kent, where did this come from? You know, what happened in your life to touch you? I mean, how what, did you have a conversion at some point in your life? How did this all really come about? What, what's led you to this point? Um, I wouldn't tell you that I had a huge conversion. I grew up, uh, you know, the, the term cradle Catholic. I went to Opelous as Catholic. I, I got a good foundation. Mom and dad, uh, uh, they prayed often with us. Uh, we saw great role models in our parents. Um, and we and, and I've stayed fairly close to the faith. Um, thank you, Jesus, for that um, through, throughout my life. Um, I would tell you that um, uh, as I uh, began this ministry, um, I was introduced to people like Miss Della, very spiritual people who have guided me, um, a, a, very, a very spiritual man in Scotty Bodwin, Deacon Scotty Bodwin, mm-hmm. who... Uh, who who who's really out. yes well he he really he, he has helped me informing sort of the ministry in in terms of making sure that we are open to the Holy Spirit and that we bring 
bring Jesus and that message with us. You know, we're all called to be disciples. We're all called to be intentional missionary disciples who, who uh, not only love God, but, but share and witness um, what he's done in our lives. And so um, we actively try to do that. We have a Facebook page called Food with Love. If you look for it, you, you probably got to put Food with Love Lafayette, and it'll come up. And we show all the food that we cook, you know, because we cook a lot of it. Um, but what we try to also do is share some of the stories that have taken place where, where you can hear or read about the Holy Spirit just um, happening during this ministry. And many times, you know, we might throw up, oh, that's just a wicked coincidence, you know, but we, we recognize that as being the Holy Spirit being active in our ministry. And, and you know, it's not all tear-jerking kind of stuff. There's some funny things that happen because <laughs> uh, the Holy Spirit has a sense of humor, too. And um, uh, he wouldn't, he made me. That was the first thing. <laughs> I was talking about sense of humor. But um, I have a friend, one of our volunteers is 91 years old. He has an 81-year-old girlfriend who both come to the kitchen and work with us. And uh, one day, I, Mr. Orris, he calls me every day. He said, Kent, uh, wh what are you doing? I said, well, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going to, I'm going to Catahoula. He said, what are you going to do in Catahoula? He's a very thick Cajun accent, you know. And I said, well, I'm bringing food to a new patient out there. And he said, well, who is it? And I gave him the name, and he says, uh, he says, is his name Jimmy? I said, no, I, I told you his name, you know. And he said, well, I, he said, well, you sure his name's not Jimmy? I said, Mr. Orris, what's, what's the matter? You know, I got it written right here. I'm telling you his name. And uh, he said, okay, so every week for like the next four weeks, Mr. Orris would ask me, you know, did I, did I go to Catahoula? I'd say, yeah. He said, well, is, did you ask if that man's name is Jimmy? And I said, no, it's not Jimmy. It's Pierre. And uh, he said, well, it'll always be Pierre because you never ask. And uh, so I said, enough is enough. So my next trip out, I asked his wife, I said, uh, I said, would you mind me asking you a question? I said, is, uh, does Mr. Pierre have a nickname? And she said, well, yeah, his friends used to call him Jimmy. Whoa. And I said, oh, my goodness. And I looked at Mr. Pierre and I said, do you know a name, a man by the name of Oris Menard? He said, Oris Menard, that used to be my boat captain. Oh my. Come to find out, Oris was a boat captain uh, on a tugboat, and he used to work with him 62 years ago. Mm -hmm. They hadn't seen each other. And why Mr. Oris thought that this man that I was going to see was Jimmy, and it ended up being Jimmy, um, was just beyond me, except that I know the Holy Spirit was, was playing a part in this. Mr. Mr. Jimmy never spoke to me. He was uh, because of his illness, and all of a sudden, it's like we freed his tongue, and he started telling me about all the the things they used to do on the barges, filling them with salt, and all the waterways they took to get through intercoastal city. He knew it in Greek detail, and his wife looked at me and said, "Will you keep talking to him? I'm going to get my hair done. Just just stay with him and talk with him." So I did, and. Um, and I asked him, I said, Do, would you like to meet Mr. 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 Oris? He says, oh, yeah. He said, but I probably won't. I'll probably be dead before he comes. <laughs> and uh, so we're working to arrange that great reunion between Mr. Oris and Mr. Nice. Jimmy. Uh, but uh, it was just sort of, it, it was bone chilling when he said, yeah, yeah, his friends used to call him Jimmy. 
So just a minute left on the show. I have this vision of you cooking in your backyard. Tell me, do you pray when you cook? We start every morning when we cook, and I and I I'm usually by myself when we're done, but I make a final prayer before we leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Very nice. What do you want your legacy to be, Ken? We don't have a whole lot of time left on the show, but just a yeah, bit. I. I you know, legacy is a, a, a funny word for me. All I want is um, uh, that he shared Jesus, and he shared he shared Jesus' love with the people who, who crossed his path. And I think he has. I just, uh, so, such a pleasure to have you on the show today. You're a blessing in my life, and to Acadiana, and thank you for what you do. Well, thank you. Thank you, Todd. All right. You've been listening to Cajun Catholics. Um, You can find our previous episodes on Apple Podcast or on Spotify, also on SoundCloud if you Google Cajun Catholics. But uh, just a a pleasure to have Mr. Kent Zerang on the show today. And we always uh, challenge our listeners to engage the Cajun Catholic in you, just like Kent has done. So until next time, God bless.